welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode number 86 for Saturday the 3rd of February, 2018. And I'm really up against it today. I'm recording this on Thursday. I have literally, in the last five minutes, just finished doing my writing. (laughs) I've got to get this podcast diary recorded and primed and edited for Saturday morning. I've also got to get my crypto one done this evening and ready to go out on Saturday morning. It goes out slightly later than this podcast diary. Uh, And then I'm on my way tomorrow over to London for the 20 Books to 50K conference. So it's busy, busy, busy at the moment. Lots of news for you this week. Um, Let's get to the word count first of all. So I've just finished writing up to 30,000 words of Who to Trust. And as I say, in the last five minutes, I just got up to 5,075 words a day for my word count. I really didn't feel like writing today. Um, It's funny, I love it when I'm doing it, but um, sometimes the gear change. You know, my mind now is thinking, oh, 20 books, I've got to jump on a plane tomorrow, got to drive over to Newcastle Airport. And that's where my mind is at the moment, thinking ahead to the weekend. So then sometimes to have to say, okay, just forget that, park everything in your head at the moment and sit down and write, sometimes could be quite difficult. And I was really thinking this morning, can I, shall I wait? Can I wait a little bit longer? Uh, you know, if I don't do the 5,000 a day, can I do it after 20 books? But this month is absolutely crazy. It's so packed. I had uh, an email from Orna of the Alliance of Independent Authors. And um, I think potentially in March, I'm going to be going out to Edinburgh to do some work with, I think it's Creative Scotland. And um, I'm not saying no to that, but my, my month just keeps getting more packed and packed and packed at the moment. It's getting really silly. Uh, I almost can't wait to get to August, I beg your pardon, April, when things just kind of ease a little bit. But I have really overpacked this first quarter of the year. Uh, but I am determined to get that writing done. And we're on course with that at 30,000 words. I must admit today, um, I got a lovely email from a lady. I can't remember her name and I can't remember which book it was. But she sent me an email to say how much she likes my books. And she says, they, they really make me laugh. And she said, I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, because I, I really like the thrillers, but they make me laugh. And uh, I was delighted with that because actually, I, you know, I think there's a lot of, um, you know, tongue-in-cheek stuff in the dialogue. It's not written for comedy. It makes me laugh, but it's not written as, as, as comedic dialogue. It's just the things people say. And, th- and this uh, lady got back to me and said how much they make her laugh. And said, you know, don't be offended by that because I really like the books. But, you know, I really kind of get get the humour in it. And it's really lovely when you get an email like that. And I've just written a, a scene today. Uh, it's, a, you know, it's a thriller. It's a perfectly serious thriller. Uh, and, and and all the, the stakes are constantly being ramped up in this scene. But they're in a, a karaoke bar. And um, I'm really sort of quite pleased with the, the sort of comedy uh, that I've created around a very serious and tense scene in in a karaoke bar. And anyhow, for my taste, it works really well. So I was thinking of this lady as I was writing it, thinking, well, at least one person will be laughing at this as well as me when she reads it. But I really enjoyed writing the scene. It's been a lot of fun. So I sort of got out my funk of not wanting to write, and I thoroughly enjoyed my writing today. And, uh, you know, the story uh, continues to carry on a pace, and it's all getting nice and tense. And uh, I still haven't decided who's doing the murder, by the way. I've, I've set up just a load of people for it, and I haven't decided actually what the murder is yet and who's going to have done it, because, frankly, anyone could have done it. So 
I do enjoy writing like that. I kind of know all the scenarios. Uh, I will pick one. There'll come a point, probably at about 40,000 words, where I have to commit to what the end's going to be. I've got all these different endings in my head, but I will commit at about 40,000 words because I have to make sure everything then is just tilted in that direction. But I do like writing thrillers. I thoroughly enjoy it. Um, I want to tell you about Booking Cub this month. This was the month we're about, is it three months behind, I think, with Amazon? So this was my inverted commas big earning month. This is where I got the, the best benefits of doing that book bug. And you're never quite sure how much you're going to earn as a result of book report, because I think it estimates the, the read throughs and things like that. You're never quite sure that it's going to be exactly right. So last month, I think I got more than I expected, got slightly less than I expected this month, but the, the tally, um, that I was paid by Amazon this month for, from Kindle books was, uh, 4,042 pounds and one penny. So that, as you can guess, is the best month I've ever had as an indie author and probably the best month I'm likely to have for some time. Uh, but I, I just thought I'd, I'd let you know that because um, I, I can't remember what it was about. It was about 700 or 1,000 the previous month because we only caught um, October. The, the promo was on October the 30th. So we only got two days of October with the BookBub promo. And it was going to be a reasonable month anyway. So I can't, I can't remember what, it, what that was. It was 700 or 1,000 pounds, I think, uh, in, in October. And then, so 4,042 this month. And then, um, so that, what was that? That was November. So December's going to be another thousand pound month. And January is very safely a thousand pound month. It's probably going to be a 1,200 pound month because if you remember, I just did that promo last week and I'll go into those numbers with you, um, right now. So I was teasing on social media this week to say I've got some fascinating numbers about my promos. So, um, I, I did a, a promo on Freebooksy and Fussy Library and lots of smaller sites last Thursday. And what I was trying to do was, uh, number one, um, I'd had my best month before I did the book bub in May of 2017. I'd achieved that through a Freebooksy and a couple of smaller ones following it up. And that had, that, that had given me an income of $1,000 in that month. That was my best month's income up to that point, about £800. And, um, and then, of course, the book bub has changed all of that. And the bookbub has uh, given me two extra months, two additional months of a thousand pounds of earnings. But I just came in. I just thought, well, I can't get another bookbub on the Don't Tell Meg series until April, so I, I need to get some impetus on this. So I did the free booksy and all the other smaller promos, and I just want to give you the numbers here. Now, last week I was telling you, I think that I gave you the first two days of numbers, and I said, oh, they don't feel very good to me. Um, but actually, I was completely wrong about that. Um, because what I did is I went back to my last promo in May 2017 and I tracked the numbers um, from the first six days of that promo and I've tracked the numbers from the first six days of the promo I did last week and um, and last week I was saying it doesn't feel like it's very much it doesn't feel like it's going to be very good but that's only because I've been desensitized from the sheer joy and delight of having done that book bub so let me give you the numbers for May the 4th and remember this these were my best figures to date when, when I had these. So from May the 4th, on the day of the promo, I'll do these numbers in dollars, by the way. So May the 4th, 2017, the first day of the promo, $37.39. Then second day, $46.30. The uh, third day, $57.47. The fourth day, $35.64. The, uh, the next day, the fifth day, the $26.40. And then the sixth day, $41.40. 49 cents. So only one day over $50. And we were largely in between 35 and, and probably about $45 on average. So over those six days, I earned $244.79. Now remember, at the time, 
that was my best promo to date. That gave me a thousand dollar month. Now, here I was moaning to you last week, saying I didn't think the numbers were very good from the promo I did last week. But as I say, clearly um, my threshold's gone up because I've had the book bump now, and I'm 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 looking at it in different terms. So last week, on day one of the promo. The income was $106.45. That was compared to $37.39 on the initial promo. And then on day two, $103.26 compared with $46.30. On day three, $71.56 compared with $57.47. I know there's a lot of numbers here. I'll put them on the show notes, by the way. But if you just get the sense of it. Um, and then on day four of the new promo, $43.40. And then it was $35.64 in May 2017. Then on day five of this new promo, I had $102.30 on. This was on day five, whereas I was on a $26.40 on day five of the original promo. And then on the 30th of January, the income was $74.27 and it was $41.59 on day six of the original promo. So my earnings in the first six days of this latest promo were $501.24 which is more than twice what they were on the previous promo, which was $244.79. Now, again, you know, I know there's a lot of numbers there. I'll put those numbers for you on the show notes so you can actually see the difference. But the, the difference is double, double over six days. And, and there was me last week thinking, well, oh, it doesn't feel like this is very strong, this promo. Actually, it's very strong. It's twice as strong as the one I did in uh, May 2017. So that was achieved using, uh, you know, Free Booksy, Fussy Librarian, uh, I think it was Medibooks, uh, Book Cave, just lots of smaller, cheaper sites. So the cost of that promo was much less than a promo with BookBub, uh, and, and clearly it hasn't created anything like the income that the BookBub did. But if I were estimating, if I were estimating that income at the moment, uh, I got my first $1,000 month, we're dealing dollars here, remember, with the numbers, not £1,000, $1,000 month in May 2017. It, this ought to be then, by the same measurement, it ought to be probably twice that, about $2,000 for this month. So that's that's creating something out of nothing. Um, now, now, the other thing you've got to remember with those numbers and why they're probably higher is remember that I was already bringing in uh, what, you know, what was it? 30 to $50 a day anyway from the BookBub promo, the, the hangover from the BookBub promo. And I'm guessing that that's coming from a combination of people reading through the trilogy and working their way through it, but also the fact that I'm higher in Kindle and therefore I could be discovered more easily. So, you know, this is all new to me. <laughs> I, I, you're following my journey as I as I go through it. But I, I really wanted to share those numbers with you because I think I've been quite downbeat about it last week. And in actual fact, it's twice, it's twice what I was doing the previous time. The numbers just feel considerably lower when you compare them with a book bub. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I share those with you so that you know just exactly what creates the results and that hopefully so that you can replicate them for yourselves. You know, there's all sorts of factors in there. Like, does my blurb convert? Is my, are my covers good or bad? All sorts of factors that influence those figures, but you can create. Uh, you know, that level of sales, you could probably get yourself a thousand to two thousand dollar month. I think you've got to have it in a trilogy to make that money. You've got to get the reads and you've got to get the buy throughs. I, I wouldn't want to try that with a standalone because I don't think you get the same results from that. But if you're, if you're in that zone, then, you know, I think it's worth a try. 
you know, even if you got the, if you, even if you made half of that, if you made $500, that's still going to be a pretty good month using some fairly cheap promotional sources. So there you go. That's the, the latest on my book income. I hope that's useful for you. I'm really pleased to let you know this week that I took uh, Cueve McDonald's advice. Cueve is a writer, thriller writer. He's also a comedian, by the way, um, and a very good one at that, uh, who tours the UK, probably goes elsewhere, but mainly the UK. And he sent me an email. I know uh, I met Cueve at Manchester at the Amazon event. And we, as you do, I've interviewed him for the podcast, so we kind of keep in loose touch on social media and through email. But uh, Cueve, I know, listens to the podcast diaries and had sent me an email when I'd said, you know, I think I'm going to give up with email marketing. I'm really not very good at it. And he'd sent me a really great email just encouraging me to to use emails with personality. Stop selling the sending out the salesy kind of emails and put some of your personality into it, make it more personal. But he gave me some examples and some stats and things like that and said it was working very well for him. I read that email and it was, you know, right place, right email, right time. And um, I did, I, I, when I read it, I thought, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I, I said to Queeve, I will do this. And it, I put it on the board because, as you know, one of my favourite phrases from Robin Sharma is, the things that get scheduled get done. It's like a red rag to a bull to me. If it's on the board, it gets done, unless there's a very good reason for it not to. So it went on the board. It's on the board for me to write three monthly emails. And um, I did my first email this month, and I'll put a link to it. If you're not on my email list, I'll put a link to the email so you can have a look at it um, online in a browser. Um, but I completely changed the way I did my emails. And let me just tell you a little bit about my email marketing history, because I kind of learned this when I was internet marketing and internet marketing. This is why I left it. It's very scammy. It's very, you know, buy this now. You're running out of time. It's very hyper salesy and it's not really my environment. It's not really what I like. Um, so I, I knew, I knew fairly early on in my internet marketing career that this really wasn't the career I wanted to do. I needed to sell stuff. Um, honestly, uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like I was selling stuff. Honestly, it felt like it was. Uh, deceiving and I, and I was a good internet marketer you know I, I wasn't like the most evil internet marketers uh, I, I didn't do anything particularly evil at all but you know it was just not my just not my voice that but really I I continued to repeat the same old mistakes with my email marketing I was I was still writing like an internet marketer with all these uh, you know it's best marketing practice a lot of this but but actually it wasn't my it wasn't my writing voice it wasn't who I am I guess so I've not really had a lot of success with email marketing because I, I, my, my, um, will isn't in it. You know, I, my heart isn't in it. I don't want to write emails like that. So therefore I don't write emails. So, uh, Queeve's email to me was just beautifully timed. And I resolved to do that. And I sent that email out at the weekend and I've, I've done what's called a resend to no open. So I sent the email out. And then after three or four days, when people have had plenty of time to open the email, you send it to the people who haven't opened the email yet, just to try and get as many clicks as you can. And because part of this, in many respects, is re-engagement, it's retraining my email list, um, that hopefully they're getting something that they're going to enjoy more than the usual nonsense I've been sending them, or, or, or the fact that I haven't been sending them emails at all very much recently. So... You know, for me, the results were really good. The first thing I got to tell you is I had 10 to 15 emails back from people immediately saying, love the new email, really enjoyed reading this. You know, I shall open these in future. I never get those from my normal emails. Um, so uh, I don't know whether I've even have ever had as that much response from an email. I mean, you know, positive response. I might have had it negatively if I sent something out that people didn't like, but I've never had that much positive response from people saying, really like the email, really enjoyed reading this, please send more of this, and just people engaging with me. And that's exactly what it's supposed to be about, isn't it? And um, 
Uh, I'll tell you the open rate. So, you know, I, I think we can improve on these. So this is a list that I haven't been emailing. And when I have emailed them, I haven't really sent them anything of any value. So I would expect those open rates, you know, to be fairly poor and people to be fairly disengaged with me. So I need to go through this process of re-engagement, training them that I'm going to send them hopefully better quality emails. And then uh, I'll probably do that till March. And then I'll probably start to weed people out who just aren't opening the emails. No point paying for them if they're just not interested in me at all. And then those open rates will shoot up because <laughs> I'll have... Uh, maybe half the size of the list I've got currently, but I'll those people will pretty well all be engaged people. So my open rates will shoot up. So this is where I am then with this this email. Um, in the first email I sent, I had a 28% open rate. Now in internet marketing terms, you get about a one to 2% open rate. So a 28% open rate is really good. Um, and then on the, the, the second email that I sent, the open rate was 12%. Um, so, you know, we hit, we hit probably about a third of the entire list, a third, maybe slightly more of the entire list opened that email and read it. The first headline was why I'm the world's worst email writer, dot, dot, dot. And then when I resent the email, I put, I've changed my ways and this is the result. So, um, you know, they're, they're fairly kind of salesy headlines. And I thought that I would just say to you, you know, if you're writing these kinds of emails, um, what kind of subject lines get opened on your emails? How how would you improve on that? How would you get people to open those emails? Um, but, uh, you know, my strategy there has to be hopefully to write something sort of intriguing, something that sounds personal, um, something that doesn't sound like I'm about to sell people something. So if you've got any great ideas for headlines or things that have worked very well for you to get open, so let me know. I'll give them a try. So um, that went out. I was really happy with it. I'm really happy with the result. And you know, when you do something, and when I was writing that email, actually, when I was planning it, even, um, as soon as I had the conversation with Queeve on, online, I actually create, started creating the template. I knew when I was creating the template, I thought this is so much better for me to be doing an email like this. This is just so far superior to what I've been doing. So I, even before I wrote the email, and as I sent the email out, I thought, I'm really happy with that email. That's way better. And thank you, Queeve, also, who's on my list for getting back to me to say, you know, great start. That's that's what we're after. So thank you for that as well, Queeve, for doing that. But I just felt immediately more comfortable uh, with it. So I will be sending those out on the last Sunday of every month. I'll send one out in February and March. And then from March, when I've had a little bit of time to re-educate people, I will start to cut down my list and to weed out people who just haven't opened any of those emails over the last three months. Because those people, frankly, just don't care about me. They're not bothered at all. I don't take that personally. You know, we want to engage with the people who are interested. And, and then those who aren't, there's no, no need for us to bother them. So um, I will start to clear that out. I do need to do a, I kind of need to do this also. In the, in the UK, we've got something called GDPR, the General Data Protection Registration. Is it an act, whatever it is, rule, whatever it is, whatever it is, it's coming up and we've got to kind of weed out our email databases and make sure everybody's got, you know, given their permission to be on there and they want to be on and they can unsubscribe and things like that. So this kind of sifting process for me is quite timely because I'll make sure that I'm kind of compliant with GDPR by the time we hit May. So it makes sense for me now to be re-engaging people to work out who wants to be talking to me and who doesn't. And then we'll get rid of the ones who don't want to. And then I'll sort of change my system from, from, from May so that um, it's obviously compliant with this new legislation that we're subject to in the UK, which we're all learning about as I speak. So there you go. Thank you very much, Queef. That was brilliant inspiration. I really appreciate it. And as I say, I will put the link to the new style email on this week's show notes. 
Um, I, I, I set off more Goodreads giveaways than I could even remember. So I thought I was done with them when I spoke to you last week. And then I get another email from Goodreads saying, oh, your your giveaway is uh, just completed. And I thought, oh, I thought I was done with those. But it wasn't. I set one up for Dead of Night and that finished. And I'll give you the stats from that. So remember, we can't do these giveaways anymore. So uh, I had 392 entrants to win one of three copies of Dead of Night, which is one of my thrillers. 89 people shelve that as want to read. So, you know, it's it's a bit of cheap marketing, at least. I said to you last week that when I buy the books, I send them out. I'm on Amazon Prime, so I send them as no rush delivery. So I will get the royalties from those books that I bought directly through Amazon. But also because I send it through no rush delivery, I get a, a, a 99 cents or 99 pence credit so I can buy music. So at the weekend, I was downloading about 10, 12 songs I haven't heard of for ages and getting all my free songs. So, you know, it doesn't cost you very much to send those books out. But of course, we can't do it anymore because, delightfully, uh, Goodreads have stopped doing that. Now, I've been too busy this week. I said to you last week that uh, I'd tried, um, because they're doing discounts at the moment or the new style Goodreads giveaway, it's about 50 to $60, I think. I tried to do that. I had a little technical problem. And to be honest with you, I haven't had the time or the inclination to go and resolve that. So, you know, perhaps by the time I get around to doing that new style Goodreads giveaway, um, the one that you have to pay for, um, that promo offer might be over by that stage. I don't know, but uh, it's not a huge priority for me. But if I do get around to it, if I do solve the little technical hookup issue uh, that I was having, um, then I will try it. If not, you know, hard luck. There's plenty of other things that I can do to promote my books. Something that did come up the other day, I, I don't even know where I found it. It came up in my feed, um, but it's a, a competition called the Staunch Book Prize. And it's looking for thrillers and it opens on February the 22nd. It's actually, you know, um, actually created uh, quite a lot of debate online because the premise of this uh, book, it's the inaugural staunch book prize. And they're giving an award to the author of a novel in the thriller genre in which no woman is beaten, stalked, sexually exploited, raped or murdered. Now, that's, you know, it's a really interesting premise. And the debate around this is, is whether, uh, you know, thriller writers are depicting, um, what's real in society or whether sometimes thriller writers should rise to the occasion and, and not just, you know, not, not, not just go to the obvious tropes to maybe think more creatively around the genre. Well, this got me thinking because, uh, one of the things I'm, you know, proud, proud of in my books and you know, my, my wife always says this is I, I like to write strong female characters in my books. Um, I think it was George R.R. R. Martin, wasn't it, uh, was asked about how he writes female characters. And he pretty well gave an answer saying, well, they're just they're just human beings. You know, that's, they're just human beings who happen to be female, um, which is kind of how I view it, too. You know, how would a female react in this situation uh, the same as a male? Um, you know, that's how they'd react. So th- this is something that's sort of quite close to my heart. And um, so I looked at my thrillers. And as I say, I have very, I have very strong women in, in, in my thrillers. In actual fact, the women are, I think are often stronger than the men in my thrillers. The men are usually, you know, the, the, the dithering idiots who need steering by this, you know, by this, this woman in the story. And, um, so I actually think the men come off worse in my books than, than the women do. Um, but I, it made me sort of think about the books and the thrillers that I've written. Now, the Don't Tell Meg trilogy, um, it is, it is based the, the central character Meg. You know, she does have something in her history, 
but she's by no means a, a victim or a weak character. She was when she was a child, but the whole sort of series is really about how she puts that right and works through that. So I couldn't put that one in. Um, Dead of Night, uh, I can put in. Um, there's none of that in Dead of Night. Um, and a very sort of strong, uh, female character in there. Uh, Burden of Guilt is also, a, it's written from a woman's point of view, Burden of Guilt. It's a very strong female character. I don't think I could probably enter it because there is, um, her sort of, uh, she, she leaves a man who is, who is threatening her. So she's got in a bad relationship and he's, he's threatening her, but she walks. And, um, and so he is, you know, one of the, the sort of suspects in the book. Um, but there is sort of no beating or any of the sort of cliches in that. And the story is about, uh, many respects are kind of working through things that have happened in, in her past. So, but I don't think I would put that one in because I, I think that if you, they only want the first 5,000 words. And in the first 5,000 words, you kind of have the setup, which is where she rejects this man and, and what he's doing and tells him to get lost. So I don't think I could probably put that in. Um, he doesn't hit her or anything like that. Uh, what's the other one? Oh, um, I'm trying to I have to remember what my books are called. Uh, one Fatal Error. Again, it is it, fine. So I could put One Fatal Error in a Dead of Night. And the book I'm write, writing at the moment, as I told you earlier, I haven't quite decided who's, who's killing whom yet. Um, but again, you know, it's got strong and varied female characters in. I could probably put that one in. So I might end up putting three books into this competition um, to give it a try. Um, but it, it did, you know, regardless of whether I have any success in it or, or whatever the debate is around it, it, I was very happy that I could put in half of the thrillers that I've written, you know, because they actually get away from that sort of trope of the woman being the victim, um, and, and have sort of strong women in, in very empowered roles where, so, you know, often they're stronger than the guys, uh, in the books, uh, certainly more clever about the way they deal with the crisis. So, um, I, you know, I just, that was just something interesting. Uh, it made me pleased because I try very hard to avoid stereotypes, uh, in the books, in, in the characters. So and my wife always tells me how much she likes my female characters because they're so, um, sort of strong. So, um, I'm pleased about that. That's really just a kind of by the by, really. But it's an interesting debate around that book, uh, about that, around that competition because, you know, many, many people, have have come out saying, well, you know, I write thrillers like this to express my anger uh, at the things that happen in real life and to to explore those things. And I and I have to say, I agree with that, you know. But but I do think it's interesting that somebody has stuck their neck on the chopping block and started this debate, where whatever side of the fence you're on with it. Um, did an interview this week with Alison Ingleby. Now, interestingly, Alison, I met. Uh, I have to remember which event it was. It was at Manchester. The Amazon event in Manchester last year, same event that I met Quive at, uh, and this shows the benefits of networking. And uh, I got on with Alison very well, interviewed her for the podcast. She's one of the authors, the new authors that I'm I'm following on the podcast. Uh, Alison and I are now, just completely coincidentally, are now co-hosting this crypto podcast that I've started, but that's, that's for another podcast. But um, I wanted to do a catch-up interview with Alison this week. Because like uh, John Cronshaw, like Rachel Amflert, um, she's one of, and Meg, uh, Meg Cowley as well. Um, she's one of the authors that I'm following um, their careers because they're all doing exciting, interesting things, but they're all at the beginning of their, their author careers. So I caught up with Alison this week and, um, you know, great interview. Alison's a great speaker. Uh, very, very happy to share all the things that are going on, the successes, the failures, all of those sorts of things. Um, there's a really powerful uh, sequence in there when, you, when 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 you've done as many interviews as I have on the Beeb, you know when you're into 
uh, interview gold, what we call interview gold. And uh, when I was uh, interviewing Carol Rivers uh, the other week, I've had loads of compliments about uh, that interview, uh, Carol uh, Rivers and Chris Woods, and um, had loads of uh, compliments about that interview. Because when I was interviewing them, you, you know you've got interview gold. You've got some great guests on here. And then uh, interview gold could also come from the subject matter. And, uh, you know, this doesn't mean that uh, you know, all the guests I talk to are, are great, but sometimes you get that gold where you know you've got, you're onto a really good scene. And um, I didn't realise this about Alison. I knew she'd been using dragon dictation, but I didn't realise that was as a consequence of having some really quite concerning issues around RSI. Now, as an author, I'm sure we're all aware of the threat of RSI. The two things that I'm aware of are back trouble and RSI. Those are the things that worry me most about being an author and obviously the sedentary kind of lifestyle, which is why I try and exercise three times a week and do lots of walking and take the stairs and all of these things, uh, you know, to try and get some steps in, uh, in, in everyday life. Um, but there's a really what we call interview gold in there. Sorry, Alison, for using that phrase, but it was a very, very strong section in that interview where Alison talks about um, RSI, uh, what that was like, how she dealt with it, and the threat that that created uh, potentially for her freelance career. Um, so that interview is coming up. He says going to his uh, planner on the 19th of February. And I do think RSI is one of the bogeymen that we all fear as writers. I really would urge you, uh, not just for that reason, but to, to make sure you listen to that section particularly uh, in that interview. It was really, um, really educational for me as somebody who knows nothing about it. So thank you for that, Alison. Um, also, I want to mention uh, Laurie Puma this week. And Laurie, uh, I can't remember, contacted me on social media. I think it was Twitter or Facebook. I can't remember which one. Uh, but Laurie has written an article entitled These 33 Podcasts Will Help You to Write, Publish and Promote Your First Novel in 2018. And there's a whole load, list of podcasts there. And, and what Laurie's done is rather than just listing podcasts, uh, favourite podcasts, um, I, uh, we've actually got favourite podcast episodes, episodes you shouldn't miss, which is a really interesting take. Um, so I would urge you to look at this article anyway as a writer. Um, but I'm also very grateful for being featured on it. And it, it was the interview I did with Ron Vital on it. Um, and the one about uh, Ron's launch, book launch that he did, that didn't go as well as he'd thought. He did all the right things, but but the right things didn't happen to him. So it's lovely to have self-publishing journeys at number 23 uh, on that list. And it's episode 97 that Laurie is particularly recommending. But uh, I'll put the link to that article on the show notes. Uh, but there are lots of... Uh, why I think this is a great article is because Laurie's gone through and actually picked out specific episodes that you should listen to as an author rather than just recommending a generic podcast. So it's really one to um, take a look at that, I think, and work through and look at the episodes that are particular interest to you. Uh, got to mention a couple of uh, tweets this week. Uh, um, Pip... Um, we had a little conversation online and Pip was signing up to my email marketing list because Pip uh, wanted to have a look at my uh, my new style emails and had put a lovely picture of the sort of um, dual screens of a, a computer and a laptop, I think it was, um, on Twitter and just showed herself signing up to my list on there and was listening to the podcast, I think. So thank you for that, Pip, and for your continued support. Um, Julie also has posted uh, where she was listening to the diary this week. I think it was either the diary or an episode. And there's a, a squirrel uh, on a fence. Really nice scene, actually. Uh, so I said, right, that's going on the show notes this week. I'm sharing that one. And uh, Edwin, who's also a regular listener to the to Crypto podcast, 
Um, but also I know, um, found the crypto podcast through this podcast and Edwin, uh, also looks after rabbits. He's, he's, uh, rabbits are very big in his life as, as well as, as writing. And now unfortunately crypto, uh, but, um, Edwin, uh, sends a lovely picture of the rabbits as well. I always love to see what he's up to with the rabbits because we, we like animals on this show. We like, you know, dogs and cats and, and rabbits and, and cuddly creatures on this show. So we never get enough of those. So th- thank you very much for sharing those pictures. I'll put your tweets on the show notes for this week and uh, you'll be able to have a look at those and see the lovely pictures that we've been sent. And I would always encourage you, um, you know, I know we're all listening to this podcast in different places and it's always great to just, if you just get your phone, if you're listening on your phone, just take a photo of what you're doing. It's always great for you to share those on Twitter. It's always nice to see where people uh, are listening to this podcast. Okay, that's pretty well it then. Uh, the only thing I've got to mention now is the 20 books to 50k event in London. So I'm going to finish recording this, get it edited. I'm going to do my crypto podcast, get it edited, have them ready to go out for the weekend. On Friday, tomorrow, at the time of recording this, I will be driving over to Newcastle, jumping on a plane, going to Heathrow, catching an Uber from Heathrow uh, to the Travel Lodge in Egham. And then I will be heading over uh, to a nice meal with Michael Anderley and, and sort of his crew. Uh, I, I, I got to gate crash that because uh, I'd met Michael through the podcast. So that's very lucky because I think it's primarily for people who write with him and sort of support his business. So I'm very lucky to be included in that. I'm going to meet lots of people who listen to this podcast. I think there must be at least 20 people that I, whose names I recognize as listeners to this podcast. And we'll probably discover a few more who haven't even said hello yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, you know, going to meet people in person. Um, and you know, all these sort of celebrities of the independent author world. So I'll, I'll take some photos of that and share those on social media. I'm notoriously bad at getting involved and, and forgetting to do that, but I'll try and share some photos. Um, from the uh, 20 books to 50k event in London. And then actually, when I, whenever I sort of travel, I try and compress my time as much as possible. I'm not flying back until Monday morning. So I'm meeting an old, uh, an old, he, he, won't, he won't thank me for saying old. I'm meeting a pal uh, who just lives about uh, 20 minutes away from there. And he and I set up a little internet marketing business a while ago. He was part of my uh, mastermind group when I was an internet marketer, I still keep in touch with my mastermind group, but this was not a writing mastermind group. This was an internet marketing mastermind group. So I said to him, uh, you know, we're 20 minutes away. Do you want to join me? We're going out for some food in Egham uh, on Sunday evening. So <laughs> I think my, uh, I think I shall be letting my belt out a notch after this weekend because there seems to be a lot of eating involved in this, but um, it's going to be a busy weekend. Really looking forward to it. I will, of course, report back from that in next week's diary. By this time next week, I should have written another 5,000 words. So we should be up to 35,000 words of who to trust next week. Um, the week after that, it's half term and I might be juggling my time. I can't like to get home to see my mum. But I got, I got a lot, on, got a lot on this month and I, I would like to get home if I can. So I might be juggling my writing time in half term. I'm not quite sure yet, but, um, I know my time is very squeezed at the moment, but, uh, I didn't get there over Christmas because of the bad weather and, and other things. I think the cold and, you know, people being ill. So I would quite like to get back home if I can, but, uh, you know, this is what it's like. We all have to shuffle our diaries and try and fit this stuff in. So I'll let you know what the plans are when I do the diary next week. My guest on Monday, which is episode 101, who can believe that, is somebody else I met through networking, Rhoda Baxter. Now, Rhoda, I met at the Society of Authors event in 
Manchester in November. That was the first event I talked at. And I met Rhoda, I think, at the first break uh, over coffee. And she's a lovely lady, one of these people who just, you know, instantly can start chatting with. And um, she's doing all sorts of interesting things because she's been traditionally published, but now she's hybrid. And that really interests me because that's the way I'm beginning to think with my books, predominantly self-published, but I would like to maybe consider hybrid now. And uh, Rhoda writes contemporary romances about smart women and the men who love them, but she doesn't do alpha males. She likes kind of clever, you know, geeky guys rather than the muscle sort of stuff, uh, which is great. And um, she's been shortlisted for a number of awards and she's very involved with the Society of Authors and um, these the Romantic Novelists, whatever that group is called. I should have done my research. The Romantic Novelists something. Association? Something like that. Anyhow, you'll find out in the interview. Uh, but it's a great interview. And also, I'm going to set up a little teaser for you here. Rhoda Baxter is not this author's real name, but she chose her <laughs> she chose her author name, Rhoda Baxter, based on a former career being a microbiologist. There's a fascinating story as to how she chose her author name, Rhoda Baxter. To find out what the answer to that question is, you'll have to tune in on Monday, episode number 101 of the Self-Publishing Journeys podcast. That will be broadcast on Monday, the 5th of February, 2018. In the meantime, if you're going to 20 Books, see you there. Remember, I don't wear my glasses a lot of the time when I'm walking around, so I'll probably walk straight past you. Do say hello and introduce yourself. Be lovely to meet you, get a photo with you for social media, all of that. And um, have a great time uh, at 20 Books. Have a great week of writing yourself. See you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.